Hello, everybody, and welcome to the list. My name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin can and string, as always, is Jordan. And today, we are LPCs. And what is an LPC? It is a licensed professional counselor. Because today is going to be a therapy session for us Dolphin fans, and that is why I have this soothing voice. Jordan, how are you doing, my friend? I definitely feel like we came back down to earth a little bit, um, and we uh, had a little bit of a wake-up call and uh, got punched in the face a little bit. I I think that's how we're feeling this Monday. That is true. And All right, I'm getting rid of that voice now, because I did have to say it, because this is going to be a therapy session for everybody, but let's be honest. Yesterday sucked. Uh, we all got cocky. I think, Jordan, even though we both picked the Dolphins to win, I think we both kind of had a feeling that something like this would happen. We were both kind of prepping. We were talking about how losing to the Bills wasn't bad. And I think we both kind of thought that a blowout was possible, especially as I found out yesterday going into that game. For teams that won by 50 points or scored 50 points in the NFL, Going, they were one in five the following game, now one in six, including us. And for those who missed, we did lose 48 20. Uh, Jordan, I'm going to let you take this for the most part. Uh, it did suck, but I just want to give my opinion on real quick on the offense and defense. For offense, I just thought, well, one, I, Liam Eikenberg was not a good replacement for Connor Williams, but I also thought the offense and uh, Josh, uh, Mike McDaniel let the, uh, the play calling get away from him a little bit. And, uh, defensively uh, that's a little bit more of a deep dive but i was not impressed by very much anything that came from that side of the ball yeah i think that this was definitely um worst case scenario um i think that uh those that want to say today that um the dolphins are frauds and the dolphins uh showed who they really are and stuff like that um, as I've said pretty much all year, I said it about the Broncos last week. Um, I don't think that we're as good as the 70 to 20 win. And I don't think we're as bad as the 48 to 20 loss. Uh, I think the truth as it is in most case scenarios is somewhere in the middle. Um, but there were definitely some things that were worrisome, um, that are now trends for this Dolphins team, uh, through four weeks. I'll take the job that you usually do um, and go down the stat line here. Uh, Tua, 25 for 35, 282, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, the the key note here um, is that Tua was sacked four times. Uh, I think that that was definitely um, what happened in this game that you can point to that say, and say that that was the big difference between the first three games in this game. Uh, the Dolphins' offensive line did not show up to play. Um Maybe now, including us, uh, we'll stop bashing Connor Williams. Yes, he has snap issues here and there, but I think when he's in the game, um, you see a big difference, uh, and you see the difference that makes. And and I don't know. It could be somewhat uh, that Connor Williams is better than we thought. It could be that uh, Liam Eikenberg is just a, a disaster. Um, yeah, you told me Liam's a uh, pass pass blocking grade. Uh, do you want to share that with everybody? <laughs> Uh, I believe it was a 4.2. And, Brett, I'm not – you're the, the young buck into the PFF rankings and all that. I'm just learning how to use a computer here. Um, is a 4.2 pass block rating good? Um, I think he graded below a, uh, a traffic cone yesterday. It's uh, – I think a traffic cone would have at least stopped someone. And I'm a, a very – 
Is it possible to get a negative PFF score? I don't. I genuinely don't know. Is that is that humanly possible? I'm not sure. Uh, my understanding is with PFF, a 50 is considered average. Um, so that was well below average. And I think he had an overall grade of 29, which is also, I saw the lowest of his career. And I'm always someone who likes to be super supportive of Eichenberg. I do like to see, to give him a try, give him a chance and be like, you know, it's a new year. He's still young. And I'm also one, as anybody who's been in our Discord knows, I'm just tired of talking about him because he is a backup. But it's hard not to mention just how poor he was. And it wasn't just the pass blocking, which was atrocious. There is actually, Jordan, I don't know if you saw it, but there's actually a clip going around of him pass blocking. Yes, of him doing a split. And it's, you feel bad, but it's funny. It is actually funny to see because it's just, how does that happen? I don't feel bad whatsoever um, because the the next step isn't let's take a young guard um, and try him at center, take a young guard, make him a backup. Um, Eichenberg's a liability on the field when he goes in. This isn't going to be the Liam Eichenberg uh, hate fest because, like I said, there was a lot to dig into with this game, um, and I'm going to move on here just for the sake of the sanity of the people. Um, but it feels like we're having the Jesse Davis conversation again. It feels like we're having the conversation of we know this offensive lineman sucks. We we know no matter what spot we put him in, okay, he we drafted him high, we have him on the roster, but it's enough. Um, I would rather see one of those undrafted guys. I know we have the center on the practice squad, uh, Uluave. I, I, I'm not even going to attempt to pretend that that's the correct way to say his name. It could be. Um, I'd like to see him get a shot. Uh, I'd like to go out and see if anybody else can snap the ball that's on the team. Um, but we have to start doing uh, a little bit of legwork to try to find another guy um, because if if something happens to Connor Williams late in the season uh, and we need to make a change come a playoff game, just like we had to do last year. So did Connor Williams miss last year's game at Buffalo, the playoff game? I don't believe he did. But ironically, I think the next person in line – to be center after Eichenberg, Lester Cotton started at left guard, and it was his first ever snaps with us. Yeah, I, I think that um, either way, we need to be prepared in the event uh, that Connor Williams, something else happens to him late in the year. I mean, we need to have another guy that we trust to put back there because right now Eichenberg isn't it. Um, but moving on to our run game, uh, A-Chan, uh, it seems like we're going through a Patrick Sertain, Patrick Sertan thing here, um, and it turns out that it's Devon A-Chan. Um, I think A-Chan uh, proved that he has uh, RB1 um, kind of material. Uh, he had eight carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns. I think that the two touchdowns were a little deceiving. And I also think the 101 was a little deceiving because he did have one of them um, on a 55-yard carry. Um, but even without that 55-yard carry, he would have averaged eight yards a carry. Um, and A-Chan's definitely a stud and needs to have more than eight touches. Um Tyreek Hill, a carry for 14 yards. Berrios, a carry for 11 yards. That means our receivers had two carries for 25 yards. I would have liked to see us run the ball more. Um, we only ran the ball 19 times for the game. Mostert had seven. Um, and then Tua had two scrambles. I would have really liked to see us run the ball more. I think that those uh, who have listened to our show to this point can kind of tell that I'm a run-first guy. Um, I want the running numbers to be up 
in the 30s on that worst at 30. Um, and I think the 19 carries, I mean, we averaged seven and a half yards a carry. Um, that number goes up closer to 30 to his passes come down to about 25. His sacks probably go to about two or three. Yes, you're playing from behind, but in the NFL, there's so much time. And I don't think abandoning the run um, as early and as often as the Dolphins did uh, was smart when we were getting um, some breaks that we weren't getting out of the pass game. Yeah, and that was that was the big concern I had with the offense is I think it became evident early, especially after we got stopped the first time, that the Dolphins offense felt a little too much pressure. And uh, even coming out as early as coming out of halftime, it felt like the Dolphins were almost trying to go for the uh, non-existent 17-point play to get the game back, get us back in the game. They just, I felt they went away from the run. Mike McDaniel said the same thing as well today. He said in hindsight he wouldn't have done it. Uh, we went away from most there to be granted. He had two, two fumbles. So that probably paid a part in going away from him. but it wasn't just that it was, I didn't like a lot of the play calls. Once we punted, there was a third and short where we needed a, a yard and we did a sweep. I did not like that call. Yeah, there was, was a couple. Weird. Yep. There was a, there was a couple fourth down plays where we needed a yard or two and we went for the deep ball. I think we just lost our patience and we panicked a bit. I think we'll bring that back, but also something to go along with that. Listening to both McDaniel and Tua yesterday, and I guess even Tyreek, I got the impression that they were not happy with how the team prepared. Like Tua said it was humbling and the team need and some people in the locker room needed to be humbled. McDaniel came out and said, it's not Tua can't get everybody set up. So it, it just felt like they had the feeling something was off. Did you get that impression too? Well, that's something that I, I said this morning when uh, I know yesterday after the game we talked um, and usually how I operate with games, especially ones that go like that is I want to take a little bit of time, sleep on it, watch the game again and figure out um, kind of what went wrong. And those comments about the preparation up to the game kind of go right in line with what I said this morning. I think I would have been more worried if we would have gone through this whole season blowing teams out and and playing over our heads and our mistakes being um, covered up by the results of games um, and go into the playoffs with no real adversity. Um, I think that the the season is still going to go the same way. And I alluded to this in the at the end of our very last episode, the picks episode, in what my fear was going into the game is if we lost the game, I didn't want people to say that this was a disaster. We're going to we're going to go to somebody at the end of this episode that I'm going to put on the list that made it seem like number 1 Tua lost that game himself and number 2 that the sky is falling for the Miami Dolphins. The sky isn't falling for the Miami Dolphins. They're 3 and 1. They're tied for the division lead and they have two very winnable games uh, coming up in the Giants and the Panthers. Now, I will get worried if we go through these two weeks and then go to Philly and get crushed by Philly and then play a couple more games and get or play the Patriots and then get crushed by the Chiefs and then play a couple games, get crushed by the Cowboys and then play a couple games, get crushed. If we lose to every good team we're playing, that's a problem and that's a trend. 
However, the only thing you're looking for, especially only less than a quarter of the way through the season, I guess this week was what a sixth, a fifth, or a sixth of the way through the season. Um, yep. You, you want to see the team improve. So now what I'm looking for is now I'm looking for the team to get better come the Philly game. I don't care about the Giants. I don't care about the Panthers. You look for us to put things in place, and obviously you win those games. Every game is a big game in the NFL. But I think you need to start putting in stuff from a preparation standpoint, from a how you practice standpoint, from a how you prepare your body, your mind, and get ready. Um to go to Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football um, and win that game. That's the next biggest game. Um, and you need to look better in that game than you looked in this game or else there's a problem. I'm not saying the Philly game's a must win. I'm not looking ahead and saying it's a must win. But in the trajectory that you see in a team that we both believe can be a Super Bowl champion, you need to see consistent improvement when adversity is faced. This is only the first step of the adversity that the Miami Dolphins are going to face this year. I don't think it's going to be the last adversity. Now, adversity shows itself in different ways. Some come quarter to quarter. Some come game to game like this one. And not every piece of adversity is as blatantly obvious as this. But the, the key to this team and the key to Mike McDaniel's success as a head coach for the Miami Dolphins is going to be now, when something like this happens, how do the Miami Dolphins react and rebound over this next three-week window of the season? Absolutely, and I agree with you there. And let's let's not beat around the bush. This was an ass-whooping. We got punched in the mouth, as you said. We went down for the count. Kudos to Buffalo. I'm already getting crap from their fans on Twitter. I'm sure our podcast Twitter is getting a lot of crap, too. Haven't checked yet, because I can only deal with so many bills fans at once so i need to i need to take those in doses but credit to them they had the perfect game plan they attacked it they attacked both our offense and defense the right way and i think they had a chip on their shoulder i think they were tired about hearing about us and how how historic and how revolutionary our offense was so and demar hamlin it was his first game back since his heart issue so there was the momentum there and the last time i remember feeling a lot of momentum going Buffalo's way was when the Pagulas won or bought the team and Buffalo found out they were staying in Orchard Park. And that was the last time I really felt that there was a lot of the vibes going Buffalo's way. Um, yeah. Bef- one thing I found, one thing I found very interesting about Sunday um, that I said to you this morning um, was that this is the first game and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the first game against the Bills in this, we'll call it era since the Bills have gotten uh, their success, that I remember the Bills fans being overly excited like they were yesterday that the Bills beat the Dolphins. I agree usually, with that. Usually when, even the Patriots, when they were as successful as they were, um, when those teams are beating up on the Dolphins, it's like we just did what we were supposed to do. They're the Dolphins. But seeing a team get so overly hyped and excited and and celebrate and mock the Dolphins the way they were doing, yeah, I felt some type of way about it. But also at the same time, that was kind of cool to see a team so overly excited to beat us. And that to me is another sign that the Dolphins are on the right path to being a real legitimate contender. Yep. And... 
also put this in perspective, Buffalo's defense, and I did say they have some question marks, and I do still stand by that, especially after some of the injuries they got. Um, but they allowed something like 39 points the whole season, maybe even less going into that game. And we scored 20 and we also had over 400 yards of offense. So it's not like we weren't moving the ball. We just had moments where we got away from what we did. Well, I think there were moments that they let the refs get to them. I think there were moments and Buffalo, I'm not saying this disrespectfully to them or in a bad way. They're a dirty to borderline dirty team. And I'm not saying that to put, put them down. But what you see is with teams that are on the way up and are trying to win, when you play a team that's going to be extra physical, take those shots that are questionable, it gets those teams off their game. And in some ways, I think we're still trying to learn to deal with that. Um, So yes, while it did suck, there are more positives than I initially thought than to take out of this game. Um, now, I do have to take a moment to say before we get into the defense, we also have to address the reason we lost is one of the official Discord dogs, Sebastian, picked Buffalo to beat Miami, and we disregard him, but he is now 4-0 with his picks this year. Yeah, Sebastian's killing it. Um, 4-0, if, if only we could be more like him. Um, and I guess that, that should have been our first sign that something was up this week. Absolutely. Um, so, Sebastian, just get us, get us back in the winning column this coming up weekend and we'll get more of those on the picks later in the week um now defense my opinion on the defense has changed a bit in the last 24 hours jordan so i'm I'm curious to hear your thought at first when i get my initial thought was i'm frustrated i hated the game plan vic fangio isn't making adjustments as we went on i was like okay Team was so bad. We gave Cater so much praise last week, and he had the worst game I've ever seen him play. I still think he's one of the top five tacklers on the team because even after that touchdown, but I, like we said last week, we don't have a good tackling team anyway. And so I was like, well, okay, we'll just kind of give it some time. But as I see all 22 clips come out, my opinions changed again, and it's something you and I have touched on a couple times. The linebacking core is going to kill this defense. They are. They're just not getting the, from what I've seen, they're just not getting the zones down when we, when we drop into coverage. Yeah. I think that it's, it's no secret to our um, loyal listeners that I'm once again, frustrated with Jerome Baker. Um, I said on the, the preseason show, um, I said that I'm not a Jerome Baker fan. And I think that every week uh, since I've kind of implemented that, um, not only was Jerome Baker uh, an absolute turnstile, uh, but David Long was horrible yesterday. Um, I looked at the stat line and he had 10 tackles. Uh, but it felt like every single time uh, a big run or or a missed assignment in the backfield, um, it's the, the swing pass to Cook, I think it was, um, is the one that I think about uh, late in the game when it looked like, okay, the Dolphins might score um, and need a stop here uh, and can get the ball back. I believe it was a third down. Allen was scrambling. He was trying to make something happen. And David Long just completely missed James Cook um, out on the wing. Um, and that allowed Cook to get upfield. And our linebacker play has just been absolutely dreadful. I've never in my life um, thought that I missed a Landon Roberts. I don't think he's the type of guy. I think he would help some in the run game. 
um, in some of those plays uh, that are breaking up the middle, but I don't necessarily see him helping the passing game. Uh, but right now, David Long and Jerome Baker are not it. Um, and if there's a place that this team can improve um, from the trade deadline, a, a big possession red zone receiver, a guy that can catch touchdowns, um, and then also a, a linebacker that can cover uh, are, are the two things that I'm really going to look for to upgrade this team and get it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I don't want to take blame away from Cater, not just because we hyped him up, but looking at it, so many of the, first of all, the pass interference they called on him was not pass interference. That was, that was a respect call towards for Diggs and a disrespect for Cater. Uh, he did get worked a couple times on, on some routes, but I've seen Diggs do that to X and to Needham and to Byron Jones. So it's just something you deal with. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, but just too many times, I think the one touchdown Cater was credited against, it was actually linebackers in zone, and David Long completely was didn't have his depth, and Diggs had a wide-open pass up the middle. Like I said, there was another touchdown that Cater got worked on, but he had the whole side of the field to cover himself. Someone, I don't know who it was, but that's something we may want to do in the future is break down some film. Even last week, and there's too many zones where it should be the linebacker dropping in. Just too many people with way too much space, and it's it's not on the corners because they drop they drop back a lot or play man. So linebacker is going to hold us back. And we were talking about this before you logged logged on, Jordan. But we, the Dolphins, have probably had the worst collective linebacking play in the last decade. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I'd say so. I mean. The Dolphins, it, it feels like uh, one of those things where once you fix one area, another area gets bad. Once you fix one area, it, it's like a, a leak that keeps coming from different spots. And right now the leak seems to be at, at linebacker. Um, and, and we need to, I don't know if it needs to just be the play that improves or we need to go get other guys um, that can make something happen. Um, but this is going to be in the big games we play, and the big games being Kansas City, the big games being Buffalo, um, Mahomes and Allen, um, and even to some extent Lamar Jackson and Burrow. Guys like that are going to kill us um, if our linebacking play is, is as bad as it looks. Um, I'm not as worried about our secondary um, and Cater because realistically that'll be Jalen Ramsey um, come December. And if, if Jalen Ramsey's getting burned like that, then it's time to start making our off-season lists. Um, our defensive line is is our defensive line. We're not adding a big giant nose tackle in there, um, which I personally like, um, but I'm not drawing up this defense. Um, I don't think Wilkins had a good game, um, but I also don't think Wilkins, Sealer, and Raekwon Davis are the problem. Um, I think the linebacking core in both the run game and the pass game, if, if we're going to make a run – uh, and we're going to beat KC or we're going to beat Buffalo in a playoff game, uh, we need to be able to have much, much better linebacking play. And that's not there at the moment. Yep. So I do agree with you that secondary is going to get better, not just with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Deshaun Elliott missed the game. That was actually bigger than I thought it would be. Um, Brandon Jones did look rusty. He's going to get better. But Nick Needham's also a week or two away. And having him and Ramsey back are going to be big. But before we we kind of go back to the positive, because like I said, we do have positive stuff to talk about. And this is not the worst thing in the world. It sucks, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Two questions, as we've seen 
a lot the corners no one's been consistent x wasn't really targeted this week cater had a bad game but i think it's an anomaly bethel got beat badly and bit on the first touchdown eli apple was a healthy scratch first question for you at what point do you give cam smith a look yeah i would have done that already um, I said that uh, either last week or the week before when we were talking about Eli Apple. Um, I think it might have been uh, the Patriots game where if if Eli Apple was going to be getting burned by Devontae Parker, um, I would have rather just seen Cam Smith do it. I would have made that move already. Um, it seems like McDaniel, A-Chan a- is the kind of um, anomaly to this stat, um, but I feel like uh, McDaniel's in this place, like Eric Spolster does for the Heat, where he's not really looking to play rookies. Um, he's not re- really looking to rely on rookies. Um, and that seems to be Cam Smith is clearly not ready. They see something in practice that show that he's not ready, um, which is fine. But to me, that goes back to the reason why I would have drafted um, one of the offensive linemen that were available at that point. Uh, because if there's a chance that Cam Smith isn't ready, um, I don't see why. Um, you would do that now and make that move now um, and get a guy to be your fourth or fifth corner when you're looking to win a Super Bowl. Um, you either need to play Cam Smith or you need to find um, kind of a, another way to use him. Um, but I would have done that already. I would have already put him in the game um, and given him a, a healthy amount of snaps, especially over Bethel. Okay, and I agree with that. The second one, which I'm kind of on the negative side, is it time for us to just accept that Channing D- Tyndall is a lost cause? That's another one that I don't really understand. Um, I'm not at practice. I'm not behind the season, scenes in meetings. Um, I don't really know what the problem is. I also, at the same time, on the flip side, haven't seen enough of him on the field to make that decision. And this is where the double standard lies to me. I don't understand why a guy like Liam Eichenberg or a guy like Jesse Davis in the past um, can get so much time to see if that guy is going to work out. But then guys you pick pretty high in the draft, you're not going to give that same luxury to. Yeah, and you know what's going to happen is when Jalen Phillips is healthy, they're probably – when either David Long or Jerome Baker get benched or need a break, they're going to put Van Ginkle back into the inside linebacking position. So I, and it's one of those things like you, I'll admit I didn't know much about him as a prospect. Uh, he wasn't one of the more heralded members of that Georgia defense, which put everybody and I think two subs into the NFL in the last two years. Uh, so it was a ridiculous defense. Uh, so I didn't know a lot about him, but, at this point, when you see this linebacking core and you're supposed to be a guy who can cover and you're not getting looks, that's concerning to me. Um, and honestly, at this point, I've already started, like I think I said last week, I'm already starting to look at the linebacking prospects in the draft, and there's a couple that already already caught my eye. Um, and just to go back, like I know we're jumping around a bit, just to go back to Eichenberg um, with the offensive line, I see a lot of people calling the offensive line frauds. Were they as good as the stats? No. Like, yes, that was a lot on Tua. But the biggest thing, not just with Ike being so poor with his pass blocking, I think you really saw where the lack of communication or where he didn't have the communication skills Connor did. Because the big thing I saw wasn't as much Buffalo beating people. They did beat some people, especially Ike, unfortunately. 
but I saw so many, a lot of those pressures and a lot of the, and the sacks that I saw weren't from people getting beat. They were just untouched, unblocked defensive linemen. I saw Isaiah Wynn run right by a blitzing linebacker. I saw Austin Jackson go down the line of scrimmage and let someone go right at Tua. So I think that's where we miss Connor the most is, is the, is the communication because in this offense, the center is so, so responsible. So is like, so responsible, even more so than the quarterback at calling protections, IDing blitzers and doing all that stuff. So I think that's the big issue. Uh, but luckily again, offensive line, whether it be knock on wood, not a Connor replacement or offensive tackle. Cause that'll be something to look down the line. Offense and tackle linebacker are two biggest needs. I think we can agree on and both have really good depth in this coming up draft. Yeah, that, and that's another reason why um, instead of going out and getting the next big name, as much as I'd love a guy like Jonathan Taylor um, on this team, you have some serious holes that you can fill that can can put us right in Super Bowl contention um, that may not be a player that you're going to draft in fantasy football, but is a reason that we need serious draft picks um, so that we can give this team that cheap influx of talent that they need. Because it's I, – I mean – We'll see where we go this year. I still think we could win it all. Um, I still think that potential is there. Um, but in order to sustain uh, this team, especially once you have to pay a guy like Tua, in order to sustain success I and mean, be able to get yourself to the next level and get yourself to the level that KC is on or was on, um, you need uh, to draft well and draft at positions where guys can come in and start right away. You can't have your first pick two years in a row, even though neither of them were first-round picks, the first pick you made two years in a row can't even see the field. That's a problem. Yep. But, again, the good thing is we are starting to get healthier. Yes, we missed a couple people. Couple people. Not blaming that on the loss, but a good way to look at it is these guys are getting experience, which means later on, when they aren't going to be expected to be in these positions, they'll do better. Plus, it is the first month of the season still, technically. We're going into the second month. We want to be playing our best football as we get deeper into the season. So one bad game is not the end of the world. And I think, now, that that's, I, I think that that's something people are um, not – because everybody's so reactionary in the world right now. Everybody it, – it's what, what's the hot topic? What is the, the hot take that I can make? Um, that'll, that'll make people, uh, jump last week. The dolphins were the best team in the league this year. We have, or this or last week, we were the best team in the league this week. We're the worst team in the league. Uh, everybody needs a power ranking every Monday. Everybody needs to rate every team every week. Um, there are going to be some ebbs and flows to this. Uh, we just need to ride the wave. And like you said, make sure come the end of the season, the playoff time that we're playing our best football, and I think this team is set up to do so. I'd be very worried, very worried, if we were playing our best football in October or September. Yeah. I think we all, if you told everybody the first month would end with us being 3-1 and one, with three of our games being on the road to start the season, we all would have taken that. And like you said, and we'll talk about it as the weeks go on, the Giants and the Panthers are our next two games. It's E, don't want to say they're easy because nothing's easy in the NFL, but it's a good chance to get right back on track. Now, in college, in college what do they call those? Get right games? Yep, get right games. Now, 
don't know about you, Jordan, but when we talk about therapy, after that ass whooping that Buffalo gave us, and we always do the AFC, we're going to always do the AFC East roundup. I don't want to talk about the Bills because they just whooped our ass. More power to them. We'll see at the last week of the season. But nothing put me in a better mood after that than watching the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots game. Yeah. Wow. I'd, I'd say so. I'd say um, people can argue whether we're number one, whether we're number two in the division. Obviously, after Sunday, it's much easier to place us at number two. Um, but I think one thing you could say for certain is we're definitely not number three or number four in the division. Yep. And those, for those who missed it, Dallas Cowboys – destroyed the Patriots 38 to three and all last week uh, Jordan I'm sure you heard the same thing everybody was talking about this being Zeke's revenge game Dallas is going to get out coached I even think you and I said that while we expected Dallas to win we expected to be close and we expected Dallas to just win based off of talent good lord was this a boat race game it was ugly I've praised Mac Jones in the past but this is one of those games where you see just how like just how bad the Tua comparisons are. He look he is what everybody who hates Tua wants Tua to be, and he's that bad. Twelve for twenty one, one hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns, or two interceptions. Excuse me, not touchdowns. One was a pick six, and it was ugly. We always talk about how this is like a twenty five to thirty year old offense. Jordan, the stat I just saw today, and this is from Warren Sharp. The Patriots are punning on 71% of their possessions. That's not good, right? That is awful. Now, the Steelers, Bears, and surprisingly, the Browns are the next three, and they're all at 67. So it's only 4%, but that's still a significant amount. Just to give an idea, the Dolphins are one, two, three, our fifth lowest. We're only punting on 38% of our percent of our drives the bills 33 percent the patriots are even below zach wilson who and the jets who are at 63 percent of punting on their drives i'm after the last 20 or 20 plus years i'm loving seeing the patriots struggle this much and i try and be unbiased but i can't hide dig lee when i say i don't see how they improve this because they are going to be just good enough that they're not going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft. But even when the Patriots were good, Jordan, they were some of the wor- they were one of the worst teams at drafting wide receivers. Yeah, it, the Patriots are in an interesting spot, and and we talked about this um, over the last couple of weeks that the Patriots just lack speed, um, and that's going to be their downfall. I mean, I'm looking ahead at their schedule. Um, they're playing New Orleans at home. That could go either way. They're playing at Vegas. That can go either way. Then they play Buffalo, Miami, and Washington, who are all better than them, obviously. Then they play the Colts and the Giants. Um, then they play the Chargers, who will beat up on them. It, the, the Patriots are going to win just enough games to not have a, a number one or number two pick, but they have so many needs on the offensive side of the ball and at the skill positions that uh, – I don't see them giving up on Mac Jones, and I don't see it be. I think it's the easy route to get rid of Mac Jones. I think it's much easier to get rid of Mac Jones than bring in a rookie, and then next year you could say it's just his rookie year, and he'll be better in year two and re reinvent the cycle, um, or you know what I mean. But 
Yep. It, it's much more difficult to uh, dig in, trust the system, and put weapons around him. Um, I look at a guy like Xavier Worthy from Texas, who is just an absolute speedster. Um, they need a guy like that. Um, they need their variation of Tyreek Hill or their variation of Jalen Waddle. Obviously, not everybody's going to have both. Um, but the thing about those guys is when they step on the field, you have to take their speed very seriously. Um, and the Patriots don't have a guy like that. They have the same exact core that we said a couple years ago. We won't be able to properly evaluate your, our core until we get a core that's kind of the way it is now. Um, the Patriots need that influx of talent. They're nowhere close to it. And I don't see them getting there uh, before 2025. Like I, I think they're in at least two more seasons of kind of right in what they're with now. So I'm going to put you on a little on a spot here, Jordan, just to kind of talk about the Patriots. And also because I know you love talking about the draft. And I have Tankathon pulled up right now. I'm just going to ask you, based off of what we know, like where we think the Patriots are going to finish, I'm going to ask you wide receivers to see if the Patriots, one, are going to be bad enough to get any of these guys, or two, if you think they'll take them. And by the way, looking at Tankathon, Tankathon they have five first-round wide receivers right now. So we're just going to go down the list. Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, if he's there, they'll take him. That's, I mean, the Patriots he's... love they love guys that come from football families. Um, they would they would love to stick it to those Peyton Manning Colts. Um, and I think that they're that Harrison's the type of guy I could see them moving up to get. Yeah, but he's probably the number. He's probably going second overall, at least top five. I don't know if the Patriots are going to be a top five bad team. Um, Next receiver they have, Harrison's teammate, Emeka Agbuka. Are they going to be bad enough to get him? They'll be bad enough. Um, and if they're not bad enough, I think they'll be right in the window um, where they can move up a couple spots and get him. Um, so th that'll be more in their range because I do think they'll probably be in the top um, 10 to 12 picks. Um, but again, I, I, I think that that's a guy – um, I could see them taking a chance on. Um, I don't 100% know um, if the Patriots do. I, I, the Patriots yeah. have had such weird um, wide receiver fits. It'll be interesting to see uh, the type of guy they go for in this draft. Yep. And I'm just going to group the others together, and I apologize. There's actually six first-round receivers, according to Tankathon right now. So what you think, and who would be the best fit for the page, Patriots? I'm lumping these all together. You have Malik Neighbors. Of LSU, Keon Coleman, Florida State, Xavier Worthy of Texas, who we mentioned, and Rome Aduns from Washington. Um, personally, um, I'm a speed guy, so I think Xavier Worthy um, would be the better better fit for the Patriots. Um, he reminds me of a guy like Marquise Brown um, that can really stretch the field, can really run. Um, he he did have some hands issues early in his career at Texas, um, but I think he's come a long way. Um, and shown he really is one of the elite receivers. If it wasn't for um, the two Ohio State guys, I, I could see uh, Worthy being a very extremely, extremely high pick. Um, the other guys are all uh, good. Keon Coleman kind of sticks out um, as a guy that I don't necessarily think fits. Um, I don't think they need another bigger body receiver. Um, I think this offseason for the Patriots, I mean, as we start talking about teams' offseasons, I think the key word you're going to hear me say over and over for the Patriots is speed. 
So Xavier yeah. Worthy is the best fit um, if they don't get one of the two Ohio State kids. Yep, I agree with that. Um, but enough about the Patriots. Let's just enjoy their struggles this year. Now, I don't know about you, Jordan. I was I love the fact that the Jets lost to the Chiefs last night. A lot of people in our Discord were rooting for the Jets just to help us out in the playoffs. I can never do that, especially this early. I was shocked how close the game was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked human. 18-30, one touchdown, two interceptions. Zach Wilson actually outplayed Patty Mahomes. 28-39, 245 yards, two touchdowns. Had a costly fumble. Um, I think this. I think this. And I think this was the Jets' chance for the season. I think they're gonna go downward a- after this, Jordan. I think they put everything in. Team all got behind Zach Wilson. I think they had the emotional high. I also think Kansas City sleptwalk through this game. I think they were looking past the Jets. Understandably, um, the Jets were up for it. The Chiefs weren't. But the good teams find a way to win. Bad beat bad teams when everything is going poorly. That's my thought on this game. Uh, do you think that the Chiefs were looking past the Jets, or do you think they were looking up into a uh, uh, a suite or a box? Yes, that's the answer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I, I think that the Chiefs. It's it's dangerous because they're kind of caught up uh, in the whole Taylor Swift saga right now, um, and it's it can distract them. And it didn't in the first game in Chicago. Um, but it definitely played a part um, in the way. I mean, you see people after the game asking Andy Reid um, why he didn't give the ball to Travis Kelsey and try to get him another touchdown. Um, and that's not really the way the Chiefs play. The Chiefs spread the ball around. Um, if you look at the Chiefs' schedule in between now and them playing us in Germany, um, which is the week before their bye, um, they play us, then their bye, then Philly. So really before that stretch, they play Denver twice, the Chargers and the Vikings. Um, those are four easily winnable games uh, for them. I mean, the Chargers always play them tough. Uh, Denver's a division game or two division games, um, but those are games they should win. Um, but don't don't sleep on the fact that the Chiefs might be getting um, a little distracted. As for the Jets, who are the point of this conversation, my favorite part of this game is that it means that the Jets are going to start Zach Wilson at least the rest of the year. Um, while Roger's situation is figuring itself out, um, I love that they're going to start Zach Wilson. I hope that that wins them a couple games. I hope their defense wins them a couple games um, outside of when they play us um, so that they don't get into that Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Uh, but the, the Jets season ended four plays into their season, and I don't think uh, that any Jet fan can dispute that. Um, I think it's done. Uh, and I think that uh, they need to start figuring out as an ownership group uh, what pieces they want to bring back next year. I would love to see them fire Robert Sala because I think he's a good coach. Um, and I think that he they would be making a huge mistake to fire him after a season like this. Um, so I hope the Jets do make that mistake. Um, but they need to figure out if, if Sala is going to stay around, uh, if the coordinators are going to stay around. Uh, they first and foremost need to figure out what Rodgers' plan is. Uh, and second, they need to figure out what pieces they want to keep and, and how they get uh, to the next step because the Jets are at a point where they're almost going to plateau because Rodgers' cap number is going to jump. They're going to have to pay some guys. Um, and then contracts are going to be up. And if you don't have success, 
teams are just going to move on to the next set of guys. And I think the Jets are really in that window um, where they're close to kind of falling off that cliff and having to rebuild again. And I don't think any Jet fan wants to see that because in their mind, they should be doing exactly what we're doing right now. Um, And I know it's disappointing for the Jets community, and that makes me love it all the much more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious to see what they do with Robert Sala. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't like coaches that rely too much on emotion, and I think he does that. I think they have a shelf life. So if they keep him, like, I think that works better for us just because I think there's that limited shelf life. Uh, I do think they move on from Nathaniel Hackett unless Aaron Rodgers says no. Rodgers is going to give it a go. So I don't think they're even going to consider a quarterback. I think they're going to go all in on Rodgers. Um, the only thing I think at this point, they're just looking at offensive linemen, both in the draft and in free agency going forward. Um, so we'll get into that more, but the two names I see early for them are Joe Alt and from Notre Dame and Alu Fashanu from Penn state, by far the two best offensive linemen in the draft. Um, and I think by hook or by crook, one of them is going to be a jet next year, which kind of is kind of annoying. Yeah, but me personally, I'm okay with the Jets drafting all those offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, until they get a, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, um, uh, as long as they're not adding, yeah, they have Garrett Wilson, don't add another big-time weapon. Um, keep adding the Dalvin Cooks of the world. Keep adding uh, the older quarterbacks. Um, and don't draft a, a young quarterback, and I'm going to be okay with whatever the Jets are doing. Yep. No, I agree with that. Um, just like, but I just like both of those players, and I don't want them going to the Jets because I hate the Jets. Fair. But it is time to add someone to the. Well, we're gonna have multiple additions to the list this week. Jordan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I just got one this week, um, and it. We we had a whole plan for today, um, and then I heard something really really stupid this morning. Um, and that came from NFL Network's uh, Good Morning Football um, from Kyle Brandt. Um, Kyle Brandt, who uh, I will preface this by saying he picked the Broncos last week to beat the Dolphins. Um, so, Kyle Brandt, you were already on list watch after that um, unforeseen, um, unforgivable uh, mishap where you pick against a team in a home opener in a game against a team they're much better than, and they go out and score 70 on the team to prove you wrong. Um, but this this morning on Good Morning Football, um, Kyle Brandt, uh, to paraphrase him, said that everybody talks about the next big thing. They say the Google Glasses were the next big thing. People try to tell you Kyle Pitts was the next big thing. Um and that the Dolphins were supposed to be the next big thing coming into this week, and that it wasn't even the 48 points that the Dolphins gave up that concert that he he thought was funny or humorous or whatever he was trying to get by, but it was that the Dolphins' offense, this innovative offense, only scored 20 points. Well, as we touched earlier in the in the podcast, uh, the 20 points is two points away from being the most points the Bills have given up all year. The Bills have a great defense. Second of all, we've won three out of our four games, two of which were on the road. Uh, Kyle Brandt uh, is somebody that I have seen at least um, in the little bit of NFL Network that I watch be a guy that is uh, way too high in the highs and way too low in the lows. And I don't think he's as confident enough in his football knowledge, so he needs to get out and give you these crazy takes as to uh, why this is the best thing ever, this is the worst thing ever. Well, 
Kyle Brandt, you are now officially on our list um, as a Dolphins hater. Um, and I don't want to see the next time the Dolphins win a game and when we put up big numbers against the Giants and we put up big numbers against the Panthers, I don't want to see the Dolphins are back. No, you sit in your corner. You say the Dolphins are, are the next big thing that were never a thing. Um, and you go ahead and, and be a hater and continue to be a hater with the rest of the names that are on our list. I think that what you said was completely um, out of touch with how football works. I think that if you look at teams, you, you see the Broncos last week get blown out by the Dolphins and have a roaring comeback to beat the Bills, or a roaring comeback to beat the Bears. The Bills lose to the Jets week one, thrash three straight teams. The NFL is more of an up and down league than any other professional league. And somebody that's been covering this league for so long should know that that's the way the, we, the league works. Next week, the Dolphins are going to rebound and have a great week. There's a reason why the Cardinals gave up a huge lead to the Giants, and then the Cardinals go and beat the Cowboys the next week. Were the Cowboys frauds? Were the Cowboys this team that will never be forgiven after they lost to the Arizona Cardinals, who I bet I could go back and find a statement that Kyle Brandt said that the Cardinals are the worst team ever. The Cardinals are doing what Dominique Foxworth once said the Dolphins should be blackballed from the league for doing, tanking games and, and putting out a team uh, that has no business being on the field. That team, the Arizona Cardinals, beat the Cowboys. So where's Kyle Brandt saying, oh, the Cowboys are like Google Glasses, they're frauds. No, that's the way the league works. Have some knowledge that that's the way the league works and call it for what it is. Stop being so up. Stop being so down. Kyle Brandt, you, sir, have made the list. Well said. And speaking of being too up or too down, I am calling out fake fans of the Miami Dolphins. Folks, like I said, this is meant for positivity. But the first three weeks... Everybody was out pumping their chest, beating it, talking so much smack. Those same people, we lose a game. The sky is falling. Move on from Mike McDaniel. Move on from Tua. We're frauds. People who have influence are calling us frauds. This was one game. I saw Joe Philbin start a, game, start a season undefeated with games on the road and then lose almost every home game. I dealt with Bullygate. I dealt with Jesse Davis and Jonathan Martin as starting offensive linemen for the Dolphins. I dealt with Julian Davenport as a starter for the, offen for the Miami Dolphins. And to go further back, I saw Ray Lucas single-handedly tank the best Dolphins team in the la before this year in the last 20 years. But now we have a coach that wants to play an exciting brand of football, not this three yards in a cloud of dust we played for so long. We have a quarterback that can actually win us games. We have the two most explosive wide receivers in the NFL. And we have who may become the best young running back in the NFL. And we're just getting better with more players coming back from injury. Keep the energy up when it gets bad. Because we're going to need it when it gets good again. But we don't want anybody who jumps off the bandwagon. We don't even want anybody on the bandwagon. We want the true fans. And if you're like me, and if you're like Jordan, you've dealt with years of negativity. 
this is a positive year. And it was one game. One game early in the season. So if you are already getting ready to jump off that ledge and give up, you are now on that list. But Jordan, I think it's time we end this episode. We will be back later this year. or Yeah, this year, this week, but also this year to do our picks. Anything you want to add before we sign off? Yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. I think that the, the people um, who are way too reactionary, and I think I've said this on the podcast, um, if you're a Miami sports fan, you're a Dolphins fan, you're a Heat fan, if you think back to the 2006 finals, um, Dwayne Wade, when talking about um, his preparation, uh, talked about how it's not – you can't get too high in the wind – can't get too low in the losses. Um, you have to just kind of float and, and stay in the middle. Um, and that's what this team uh, needs to take on. And this is well, that's what this fan base needs to take on. We beat three teams, and people were acting like we were going to make the Bills our bitch. I mean, that's just not how it goes. I think you need to ride the wave. I think you need to stay positive. Um, and I think that this... This is the most fun that I've had as a Miami Dolphins fan in 31 years of being a fan of the team. And I enjoy that. I embrace that. Um, and I'm going to continue to be that for the rest of the season. Now, if things, if, if the wheels fall off, there are going to be things that need to be said um, and, and things that need to adjust. But right now, one loss is not just going to make me um, jump off and say the sky is falling. So I'm grateful for the people that helped produce the show. I'm grateful for the fans that listen. Um, but my advice to Dolphins fan this week is keep your head down. If we blow out the Giants, keep working. If we skate by against the Giants, keep working. And just ride the wave until we get to playoff time. And then once we make the playoffs, then that's when the real shit talking can begin. Um, and that's when hopefully the Dolphins can be peaking. All right. So, yeah, we don't need any chicken littles in this fan base. But... That'll be it for the night, for Jordan, for Zach, and for the greatest Miami Dolphins site, Finn Heaven. This is the list. Remember, we are watching. Zach, hit that music.